0: Comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network.
1: My name is Ichabod Crane.
0: Good morrow, and welcome to the IncaPod Crane Fest, the podcast that recaps each week's new episode of the Fox television series, Sleepy Hollow. I am Aaron, and with me is Brandon. Hello. And Maxwell. Hello. So yes, we have returned. I have returned, more specifically. I was away on vacation in Africa, which I had a great time in, but now I'm back and it's time for us to catch up on the past two episodes of Sleepy Hollow. We've watched them, Necromancer and Sanctuary, and we are going to go over them today on this episode of the Ichabod Cranecast. But first, we have uh, we have plenty of announcements, but actually, let's, let's, let's go back a step here. Necromancer, what's that episode about, Maxwell?
2: In Necromancer, uh, while Ichabod and Abby interrogate the captive Horseman, Jenny and Nick's theft and discover that the Hessians plan to release the horsemen. Meanwhile, the true identity of the horseman is revealed, as well as his connection to Ichabod.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Ooh. All right, so that's that one. And Sanctuary, what's Sanctuary about?
2: Oh, well, Sanctuary is fascinating. When <laughs> Ichabod and... <laughs> Excuse me for that. When Ichabod and Abby investigate, they do a lot of that. A missing person's case. The search leads to a colonial-era house, which holds secrets from Ichabod's past and unleashes a long-dormant evil... And I am adding that has to be seen to be believed. Yes,
0: <laughs> I'd like to think that someone like walked in watching like part of that, like, what the hell is this show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, also, before we get started,
2: I just want to apologize for uh, missing out on the. M- the last episode we recorded, I was uh, taken ill and had to let the guys go ahead without me. But I'm back, and I'm feeling good.
0: Great. We're glad to have you back. I'm, I'm glad Thank to you. be back and talk about this show. I miss talking about this show. I miss talking – like, missing the missing this show as well as the other shows I'm I'm on, out now with Aaron and Abe and the Walking Dead TV podcast, like – I haven't not podcasted for like two and a half years, so it's like, wow, I, I'm now I'm now back in like talking on like you know internet radio again, so it's like, hey, all right. Is this the first one you're recording since your return? Yeah, uh, no, I actually just before this I recorded an episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast, so ah. but I mean this is this is the night of my return to internet broadcasting, <laughs> so. I haven't, an, I haven't even done it. I haven't even done it out now yet, so you know, I got I don't know what Abe's up to. He might be like freaking out, losing his hair about or without me or something. Who knows? Um, I'm sure Abe's fine. <laughs> Moving on, let's um do some announcement stuff. I, there's um oh okay, here we go. Here's a good one. Um, people have asked about uh if they can send voicemails into the show and you know have them you know played on air and ask ask us questions or send feedback or what have you. And uh, you can do that. That is something you can do now. Um, Feel free to use 972-798-3830. That number again, 972-798-3830. That's going to take you to basically kind of an answering service that will say the HHW LED Podcast Network. That's obviously the podcast network that hosts this show along with the other shows on it. And you can can essentially... um, Say what show you're leaving a message for, and then leave your message, and we'll be able to play it on the air. So that's that's cool. I think we could have a, we can have listeners uh, send us their thoughts on the show or and, and whatnot. So there you go. Nine seven two seven nine eight three eight three zero. So there's that. Uh, casting news. I think we got we got some casting news this week, did we? We sure yes. did.
2: Go ahead, Brandon. Share uh, it. Brandon.
0: Yeah, it. Um,
1: Mr. Jack Bristow himself, Victor Garber, will be playing uh, Ichabod's father in a future episode coming up which is excellent which is uh total um first we have one abrams uh universe father and john noble from fringe coming on the show and now we have uh alias father coming out now on the show
0: oh hopefully harold perinu can come on and help have abby and ichabod search for walt at some point maybe yes. Yeah.
2: Gonna... what <laughs> i was gonna say Whoa! even when he says terry o'quinn appears on the sleepy hollow before it ends its run
0: Oh my god, he'd make a great Hessian. He's already awesome. bald. That he is. He, he could be the one Hessian with a mustache. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, <laughs> what else? Um, iTunes reviews and ratings. It's good to get those. It helps us out. It helps other people find the show. And it's just, you know, a nice way to send your feedback into us. Leave us an iTunes review or rating. That'll that that'll just do wonders for us. It'll boost our egos. That's for sure. And that's what we need. More ego boosting. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, yeah, iTunes reviews, ratings. It helps us out. Uh, lastly, contest. We had a contest where you could win a copy of Sleepy Hollow on Blu-ray, and we didn't really get any, any list, any, uh, any, uh, entries in there, so honestly, I'm just gonna end the contest now. We'll wait till next year when people do want, when people do want a copy of Sleepy Hollow for free, for very little effort, but, uh. Yeah, I'll just I'll just leave it there, ending the contest.
2: <laughs> you literally could have sent us a white piece of paper with a squiggly line on it, and you would have won.
0: We're happy for the listeners that we get, and if you did want to enter the contest, you know, wait till next Halloween. We'll surely have another contest with the second season of Sleepy Hollow. So, all right, so let's move on here. Let's get let's get to the first episode of this this double episode essentially. Although we'll see how long it goes. Um, so here we are. we're going to talk about Necromancer. This is the episode that, of course, follows up the very thrilling cliffhanger. Of the previous week's episode, the Midnight Ride, where Ichabod and Abby and Captain Irv have captured the headless horseman, they, they, <laughs> something something I wouldn't necessarily expect. So here we go. The episode starts off. Ichabod and Abby they leave the horseman locked up in their underground cell that was, I guess, designed by by Jefferson, right? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He designed it to keep out everything. Um, yeah, the horseman's immobilized by the UV the UV light that they set up, as well as Various heptagram candles from the Freemasons. They basically just have everything in the book that they could use to, to trap evil in one location. It's a demon holding chamber. Yeah, and with all of this, Abby, of course, thinks it's time that Ichabod should know what the fist bump means. So, she, you know, she teaches him about the fist bump. Which was awesome. It was, yeah, it was pretty spectacular. Uh, m- makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, Icky and Abby confer with Cap Irving, who... Uh, <laughs> marvels at this chamber they're using um, actually he had a funny line it's like it's something like he foresaw holding the worst kind of demons in here um and he also like sp- spent like years trying to reason with the french like some french joke that he makes that was like kind of like offhanded but it's like okay that's random <laughs> thomas jefferson hates the french <laughs> thanks for bringing that up um okay and then what else uh, ichabod suggests that they inter- interrogate the horsemen How? By using Andy Brooks, of course, since he's like a kind of a speaker for the Horseman. And uh, meanwhile, Abby also asks Irving to tell Jenny what's been going on. Um, With that, out in the woods. Meanwhile, uh, two hunters come upon the Horseman's white horse with its fiery red demon eyes. One of the riders dials his phone to report something has happened. And he happens to be speaking German, so obviously he's got something going on. The other guy questions this and he shoots that companion. Um, but this is all in the cold open, by the way. It, it, this is like a this is like one of the longest ones, and I say that think, I, think, yeah. I, I think I say that like every week. But every week they seem to get longer. These cold opens for the show. Um, Ichabod and Abby they they're looking for Andy in the tunnels. They find out where he's been bunking, but he's not there. Um, meanwhile, um, Captain Irv finds Jenny. He where he has her brought to the station. He gives her the good news about them capturing the Horseman. And um, but then he's interrupted by worried about something going on at Adam's Antiquities. Jenny knows of this place because she once did acquisitions for the owner, and so they kind of go along over to, to there. To that, that's where they're going. Moving back over to Ichabod, he finds Egyptian hieroglyphics in Andy's hideout just as Andy um, comes across all of them. Um, these how hi- hi- uh, these hieroglyphics mean that and- Andy is the Horseman's necromancer, a person that speaks for the dead, which is you know kind of what we. Pretty much assumed already, but now we guess we know kind of the means in which he does it. Um, once Andy does return, Ichabod suggests bringing Andy with them to the cell to, to interrogate the Horseman. Andy doesn't want to, for obvious reasons, and explains that his soul doesn't belong to him anymore. So if Moloch commands him to do something, he has no choice. And he warns him about the darkness in confronting the Horseman. there's still more too before this happens. <laughs> at the at the antiqu- at the antiquity shot, none of the valuable stuff is missing. Jenny shows Irving a secret room where the Irving, sorry, where where the owner hid his best stuff. They find Adam, they find the owner Adams shot inside, but he's still alive. And he directs it to a box of 16th century druidic scripture. It contained an item that could be used to break the hex spell, like the one protecting the horseman's cell, for example. And it was stolen by those, Hesse, by the Hessians, including the one of the hunters that speaks German. Um, so they think the next plan is to take out the UV lights that are holding the horseman. I think that's enough for now. <laughs> We're getting through some of this episode. Um so what do we think of what's going on right now? All this interrogation planning and Jenny and Irving having their own mini adventure.
1: Um uh, uh, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. Um there was there's a uh, a part in it I really just you know makes me love the show more where uh Irving's talking about describing every member of their so-called little team that they have and Abby saying, "Well, that's our team." After after going through it, when he, when he's describing he's describing Jenny and Ichabod and I think he even describes, you know, Andy, like, who, who they are, like, this, you know, time-traveling guy, this, you know, living dead person, uh, mental patient, and, and all that. Enjoy that a lot. It's a ramshackle
2: uh, group. And they yes. alone can fight the pending apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it definitely uh, more and more, uh, te- the word team is apt to they're all starting to come together to, to fight this fight together. And they have very charming chemistry and, you know, they're very all very likable. And, you know, it's like Bad News Bears. They're so weird and strange and, uh, you know, like ostensibly awful that you want them to succeed in the impossible
0: and we're like we're still not going to learn too much about Irving until next episode actually for for a lot. We're getting a lot of Irving in the next in Sanctuary, but um it's nice that he's very much incorporated into this plot line now and he's uh, he's obviously a believer in the things that are going on cuz they're right in front of his damn eyes, but I I like that they've they've really brought him into the fold and it's working for the show's benefit as opposed to someone like Morales who's just, you know, like a a wall. We don't uh, care about eight,
2: yeah. I even wrote in my notes that Irving is now full in, like he is on board, he's like gonna go for it. Um, and I, I like the team up of him and Jenny. I thought they had a, you know, a little, you know, nice back and forth, which again will will uh, come up again in the next episode. But I certainly think that's heading in a in a direction that could be very appealing. And um, I also thought uh, my last kind of comment about this extended cold open is that final shot right before the credits. Of Ichabod, you know, it's like a, a, a an often used shot for an epic scene where your your main character is you know framed about from the waist up from behind, and they use both hands to open a double set of doors to you know reveal what's behind it. And so Ichabod goes through, opens the doors, and there's the horseman with all the UV lights, and it just has this sort of like almost iconic feel to it. Like that's an image that I think will be often associated with Sleepy Hollow the series
0: hmm. yeah it, uh, to get back to Irving one more time to begin we'll pick up on it again but props to Orlando Jones for you know acting like I haven't really yeah <laughs> I haven't I haven't seen that but maybe like Drumline is the extent to be seeing him like act in something and like he's doing a good job I like I like him in this show you yeah, mean you
2: he's not really acting weird. in Evolution when he has something up his ass? <laughs> <laughs> or up commercials where he's, like, seven up yours in, like, 50 different locations? That's not acting, Eric?
0: Classic line from Evolution. There's always time for lubricants. But, um... No, yeah, I, I or Steve the Magazine Salesman in Office Space, of course. Uh, but, no, I... I <laughs> he, he's... He, He's, you know, he's stepped up here. He's, you know, he's playing stern police chief character. And, like, uh, Orlando Jones, of all people, would not have expected that to be, like, you know, something that works as well as it does, but it is. So.
2: He is utilizing a very interesting cadence for this character, though. Um, that's probably a deliberate choice, but it doesn't, you know, doesn't feel at all like he has even talked or with the rhythm or the, the tenor in his previous roles. So I don't know if that's something that's come with age, if he's mellowed down overall, or it's a choice for this role. But it's definitely interesting to see him do something like you were saying, so radically
0: different from what he was known for. I feel like he's he's been doing a, a very good Lauren, Lawrence Lawrence impression for the most part. That's <laughs> what, what I honestly that's what I've been seeing and just how he's <laughs> kind of delivering lines as as opposed to like Andre Brower, where I think Andre Brower has a very delu- like a very Specific type of way that he handles roles, and I think it's, and given that I'm seeing him weekly on Brooklyn Nine Nine, is like I know what the Andrew the Andre Brower role is, and I know what the kind of Lawrence Fishburne kind of role is in terms of black authority figures, and that's what Orlando Jones seems to be channeling.
1: Well, I mean, also too maybe television is his medium because I've not really
0: seen him in a whole lot of television before. Yeah, true. I mean, he was and, on what Mad TV, and uh, yeah, I think this might be his first. Like regular non guest spot. Yeah, that might be true. I don't want to like confirm it, (laughs) but
2: uh, yeah. Maybe not. Oh, I see. He was a voice on that short-lived lion uh, cartoon, Father of the Pride. Okay. Um,
1: and uh, yeah,
2: Mad TV, and then he did a couple episodes of uh, Rules of Engagement, but
0: nothing you know significant. All right, so let's. Let's move on then with the rest of this. Or where were we? um, okay, so Ichabod and Abby, they take Andy into the cell. Ichabod taunts the horseman, trying to get him to talk. He gets really close. a necklace falls from the horseman's scarf, and Ichabod recognizes it as Katrina's, which he then explains it was given to her. The necklace is given to, ich- by, to Katrina by her former fiancé, Abraham India. Van Brunt, um, Ichabod's former best friend, which, of course, leads to a flashback. Ichabod counseling Abraham about which necklace to buy for her. Um, he advises the emerald instead of something more showy. She loves it. Abraham takes credit, but she knows Ichabod picked it. Um, privately, she tells Ichabod she's breaking off the engagement, which was arranged because she loves Ichabod so much. Uh, and, back in the cell, back in the present, Ichabod wants to know if the necklace means the horseman knows where Moloch, Moloch, Moloch is uh, holding Katrina. Meanwhile, Irving... There's a lot of balls in the air. Irving and Jenny go to the power station. Um and see men, see men with guns. So Irving goes to investigate. One of the men comes up behind him, but he's quickly, but he quickly disarms him. When he finds Jen, when he finds Jenny, she has two more cuffs. She has two more in-cuffs, and the SWAT comes out and helps. to get the, Basically, there's this is like cool kind of stealth action sequence involving Irving and Jenny. That was pretty fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I think
1: you under, I, underplayed it. Irving broke the guy's neck. He okay. didn't just disarm him. He <laughs> he was a he was a badass. He was he was he was, he was wearing he his tactical the, his vest
0: and everything. He was for
1: He's yeah, that was. A, they both
2: magically have, you know, matching, perfect black, uh, you know, like, stealth gear.
1: You, you don't? What, you
0: don't have that? That's how you go out.
1: No. You're going right. to go on a mission, you have to have that. Stuff. You're in New York. That's dangerous. Like, <laughs> you don't have your tactical stealth gear. Um, the extent of my missions
2: usually involves half a block to 7-Eleven and back. I, I bring a
0: baseball bat with me sometimes, but I leave the stealth gear at home. All right. Mm. Uh, Jenny notices something missing from the Hessian's truck And they find evidence of a bomb Meanwhile in the cell the horseman Who's now talking through um, Through Andy Andy gets all black eyed about it And like assumes the horseman's Kind of presence in his voice um, the, the horseman says He knows Katrina's Katrina's fate but he won't tell But he won't tell yet Ichabod thinks the horseman is following him personally The horseman says Ichabod was, was His mission after Ichabod betrayed and killed his former partner Abraham um, Ichabod denies this heavily. He's like, "No, oh, I didn't kill my friend Abraham. That's a lie!" And he gets all angry and upset. As this is happening, an explosion at the power plant goes off. The UV lights cut out, but the horseman is still st- still held by the by the spell. Um, okay, moving on. The horseman grows begins to grow stronger, and Ichabod wants to keep questioning him, and he insists to Abby that he. While he's also insisting to Abby that he didn't kill Abraham. He really, really wants to protect his name about this whole Abraham thing for some reason, who like we, we did not know anything about until this episode. Um, anyway, flashback to uh, back in, what, the, 1774, the day after Katrina broke off the engagement to Abraham, he and Ichabod were charged with transporting the Declaration of Resolve, a precursor to the Declaration of Independence to the Continental Congress, they walk through enemy. They, they're walking through enemy territory. Abraham's mind is elsewhere. Ichabod tries to tell him there were many, many other women who would love to have him. Then, uh, then told him that he was in love with Katrina. Abraham gets angry and they have a, a, a little light duel. That, <laughs> not quite. What he the, doesn't. The, he doesn't say that he's lo- in he, love with yeah, Katrina.
2: Yeah, he. he. says that Katrina professed her love for him. There
0: we go. Okay. Yeah.
2: Which is a little bit different in terms of culpability. There you go. Regardless, it does lead to a duel. It
0: leads to a duel. Uh, Ichabod's trying not to fight back, but eventually he does, but he ends up on the ground anyway. Uh, then a shot rings out, Abraham gets hit, uh, by a man with a mask, with a peptogram tattoo like the horseman. Other Hessians like him run out, Ichabod tries to kill as many as he can, but he can't quite get Abraham, who's mortally wounded, away, as Abraham yells at him to leave. And the last thing that Ichabod saw was the men drawing their swords over Abraham, and he lies gr- on the ground, bleeding. So it seems like it's the end for Abraham. Back in the cell... <laughs> Abby suggests about take a break since the horseman is getting to him. Irving arrives with Jenny. They're still looking for the item that Hessians will use to break the hex, but first they have to break it to the cell. But first they would have to break it to the cell to perform the Druidic incantation. God, there's so many like weird supernatural things going on. Um, let's see. I guess I can stop there for a second because we've got a lot of Abraham stuff in there. And uh, what do we think of this guy, Abraham, that we just met this episode?
2: Well, it should be mentioned that Abraham is played by Neil Jackson of the terrific ABC Family gymnastics series, Make It or Break It.
1: And the villain of the Blade television series. Indeed. I knew he I could also place it was somewhere a flash
2: forward. Alright. Uh, it's uh it's um it's a rich backstory and an a fascinating relationship uh, between Akabod and Abraham and you know, I, Although it's not revealed yet, it, it uh, one assumes, obviously, that there's going to be more to this. It's clearly being set up to to essentially make uh, Abraham and Ichabod, uh, you know, arch-nemeses, as it were.
1: Yeah, and I mean, were you guys... Are, are we going over this twist now, or are we waiting to the next... I mean... <laughs>
2: I mean, I, I think the point I'm trying to get to is that... I. Based on this setup, I saw it coming.
1: Yes, I I did too. And it it, it was confirmed when the moment you don't see him actually murdered on screen. Right.
2: And it's not necessarily to the show's discredit that you saw it coming, because in this case, I think it means it's well-developed. It's just um, not a huge reveal once it does
1: occur. And, I mean, it, it's it's bigger for the characters in the show than it is the audience. It's still impactful.
0: I, yeah, I agree with that, especially because this is the first episode where we're delving into the Horseman. You can only get so much from a guy with no head, so you need to give him something to work with. And in this case, it happens to be a giant twist involving who he actually is. Humanizing him in some
2: capacity is a smart choice because eventually, although he's very physically imposing uh, that sort of... Uh, villain can become uninteresting, but now that there's a backstory there, and you hear from him for the first time, all of a sudden, as a viewer, or an audience member, you have more to latch to and it becomes uh, much more engaging, and it has an emotional subtext to it as well. It's a very, it, it becomes, you know, if you look back to the first episode, where you have the horseman with this machine gun, suddenly now it plays a little bit differently, and, you know, it's
1: interpersonal, and it's it's good yeah no it's it's better than just some hollow big goon just that just shows up and chases people every once in a while
0: sleepy hollow uh and speaking of which <laughs> i mean it <laughs> sorry um no I, I i agree with the points completely and it's um god i had a point too i was gonna make about this then i forgot it because i wanted to make that damn sleepy hollow joke. <laughs> but, a hollow point uh yeah it's no, it is nice to have a a character within the actual horseman because it just would yeah, it would it would get stale if we just, you know, had this constant threat that had nothing to go behind it beyond like, hey, there's this guy chasing me all the time. He has no head. Um, but okay, no, I, I remember my point. It's um I'm surprised that we actually didn't really I mean, we try to do, you know, we try to have like crazy theories every week, but we none of us really thought about like, the horseman's connected to Ichabod! Like, that never really... I wouldn't say that ever really occurred to me. that it. it I it, think
1: b- it, before this was because, like, we, we thought of him as, like, some, like, supernatural, like, god-demon-type entity that may not have had an origin
0: like that. Which he which he still... Well, I guess, he, yeah, he has an origin, but he still is yeah. basically a god-demon demon creature thing at this point. <laughs> I
1: mean, it's something that something that just like we we're maybe thinking of something Yeah, that he's a he manifestation just, he just always was. He's a man of, yeah, like,
0: he's, he's he's a manifestation of death or whatever. Like it's, Yeah,
1: like, yeah, something that doesn't have like a starting point. It just always was there and yeah. Or, origin is the perfect word to use though cuz
2: this episode basically functions like the headless horseman's origin story. It takes completely
1: the headless horseman's
0: origin story. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: um one wh- thing go ahead. And I don't think we ever expected him to have been human like if if he had an origin story, then like, oh, he was some like fallen angel from heaven that you know was cast out, like a Lucifer type story or uh, or something like that. I think that's where if you would have asked us before this episode who what where he came from, that's probably where we would have leaned towards instead of. You know, like Revolutionary War soldier that he's, friends with Diggle.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very closely tied. To, like everyone in this show is yeah. pretty. Bu- I'm expecting the, the Irving to be really closely tied in in some way in, next up as well. But I mean, we'll see the next episode. how oh, Abby's tied in even closer than we thought. But yeah, like, Everything, I,
1: it, everything's full of some big prophecy. I mean, it's it's how it's going. Yeah. So. Well,
2: that I think that's a the really uh, perhaps most impressive thing about this show to me thus far is that even though it still remains this you know. You know, ridiculous, somewhat silly, supernatural, um, almost soap opera, it all seems well thought out and interconnected. Um, and I think that's one of the pleasures of the fact that Fox, uh, despite the show's great ratings, is sticking to the succinct 13 episode season. I think 13 episodes is great for a show, and with 22, you often end up with filler. And thus far, there's been no
1: filler. Yeah, there's... and it, if, there w- if there was filler, it was it had u- enough it had useful material in it. But, yeah, right. The only if the only know,
0: filler in the show is just Ichabod dealing with fish being a fish out of water, and that stuff's great. Yeah, like that's great but material. That's
1: still, that's still character building. It is,
0: yes. Yeah. Much, even
2: if there's like a monster of the week episode, it still becomes part of the you know bigger narrative that they're
1: building. As we'll find with the next episode. Yeah, The next episode is very a great much would be yeah. a yeah. good example right. of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so let's um, continue on with uh, Necromancer. Here. Yeah, here we go.
0: Um, so yeah, the um, Abby tells Ichabod to take a break because the horseman's getting to him. Irving arrives with Jenny. They're still looking... Yeah, okay, so they're trying to break into this. Yeah, okay, did that. Um, Abby, Jenny, and Irving leave to get weapons to defend the cell, leaving Ichabod alone with the horseman. Abby cautions him not to lose his cool. Chained to his chair in the cell, Andy pulls the druidic item from inside his body. Great image there and begins the incantation to summon the minions of Moloch. Demons begin stalking Abby and Irving in the tunnels. They're like little crazy demon monkeys, and they're just, like, shooting at them, and they burst into pieces when they do. It's, they're scary. They're, yeah. they're awesome. It's like a video game. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, this when is... When they
2: explode, I was like, Ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> So that's happening. Meanwhile, Ichabod talks to the horseman again, accusing him of betraying his master to pursue him. Ichabod sees that Andy has the item and he finishes the incantation, freeing the horseman. The horseman then gets a sword, gives another to Ichabod because, of course, they need to play fair, and they engage with each other. Um, <laughs> as the horseman shows Ichabod his moves, he realizes who he's actually fighting. It is Abraham. It's weird that the horseman still uses the same exact fighting techniques, and the same, let alone the same choreography, but there you have it. And... Um, yeah, it's so a big revelation there. We, we've already kind of discussed this. Um, the horseman tells Ichabod that he, Abraham, died. Then Moloch came to him. They shaved his head, put a mask on him, and he became one of the Hessians, completely with the brand on his hand. Abraham made a deal with the devil to get what he always wanted, Katrina. So Ichabod realizes that she's being held captive for the horseman. Um so that seems like a big revelation there as well we're getting more you know more blanks being filled essentially like what's going on in this universe
1: yes yeah how, definitely how how did you guys get a good chuckle out of them shaving his head right then and there yes, yes. i did
2: yeah. I, I was like they haven't <laughs> even healed his bullet wound yet but they're shaving his head <laughs> he has to look the part priorities yes.
0: they go top to bottom back then <laughs> yes uh <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's still, and, like, that's something I look because I think this, I think is a great episode. I think it is maybe the best episode of the season, and I think it's because they're able to balance a lot of stuff. Like, this is an episode that's telling a whole lot of story, yet it's incredibly entertaining, it's very fast-paced, you have characters in all different directions, but they all come together in some way or the other. There's a whole new character introduced, there's backstories introduced, all of these things are happening, yet the show's still a lot of fun, it's quite funny at times, it's ridiculous, of course, but it has just the right amount of, of kind of seriousness that you can go along with it and kind of respect the storytelling that's happening, while also uh, just really enjoying what you're watching on screen. It's the kind Indeed. of thing we're saying. It's kind of thing we're saying every week. It just really bodes it bodes well for the yeah. show in general if it can it somehow sustained the nature of it from the beginning to this point. You know, to eight episodes in. All right, moving on. Let's see. Um, Andy recites one more incantation and the minions come out, come running right as the horseman gets the better of Ichabod. Andy says, stop, you can't kill him. The master forbids it. Then Andy tells the horse Andy tells that to the horseman that he's about to uh, he, say, he says that and then he also he tells to Ichabod, tell Abby I'm sorry um, right as the minions get all over the horseman and him and they, they kind of vanish all away and Ichabod's left alone. After that, later Ichabod feels responsible for Abraham becoming the horseman. He wonders why Moloch spared him from the horseman. The horseman said Katrina's soul will be his, so they hope that she's being held until he rides with the other horsemen. Katrina is the horseman's weakness. That's kind of the a reveal there. and uh and lastly, Nicobot says, now more than ever we need Katrina. So that's kind of the it's kind of the wrap up for that episode. Am I missing anything in there?
2: Not really. Yeah.
1: no
0: they got all the... I did
2: like the line Nicobot says I created my own nemesis.
0: yeah, that's a good one. And, uh... so
2: now let me ask you this, yeah exactly do you think is the function of uh, abraham's transformation into the headless horseman because you see him with the white eyes so is he possessed or does he is it a complete transformation and there's really no shred of abraham's humanity left is he hide is he still there underneath how do you think that worked or does it not matter? And I'm looking too deep
0: into it. I don't think you're looking too deep into it. I'm just trying to think of what will be the, you know, what's the long, what's the long, what's in, the, what's in it for the long haul if the if the horseman eventually has to team up with we Are we gonna see the horse, the headless horseman and Nikaab sitting on the couch together, hanging out? Like I, I don't know what bringing any humanity back to this character would really do aside from if he, aside from if Katrina gets it. Like Katrina seems like the only way that we will get something out of the horseman that isn't just like pure. I'm going to try and kill you now type situation.
2: Well, if we're talking theories a little bit, maybe that could be the way that he's ultimately defeated is by
1: reminding him or bringing him back to his humanity. That yeah, would, that's that's what I was going to say. The, the horse, just, just for his final moments is where
0: the horse the horseman somehow teams uh, tears up.
1: Yeah. Getting electrified by Moloch and uh, <laughs> say, no. And then he'll, he'll, Pick up Moloch and throw him down the core I mean, reactor. I mean, I
0: guess the uh, one way it could go because the Horseman's head's still intact somewhere. Do they have it? They have it, right? Uh, they, yeah, that's where they're keeping it from because he'll become too strong if he gets it. And I mean, if bad stuff happens. If anything were to happen, it would be like the Horseman gets back his head, puts it on, and you know it reforms into Abraham. But then another horse one of the other Horsemen, comes up, and then you have a new Horseman to deal with. Who I guess they do have three left. There's three the others, other yeah. So like, I guess there is a potential that they could bring hmm. the horseman over to their side again and then... Have- and are those three somehow connected
1: to Ichabod from the Revolutionary One War? One was his old butler, the other used to take
0: <laughs> him to dinners in the morning. Do-
2: <laughs> Does it bother you that the stuntman or actor playing the horseman is clearly a much larger individual... Than the gentleman who played Abraham?
0: No, no. That's like you know, it's like it's like if Bane pressed the button on himself and got bigger or something like that. Like, it's just like he, <laughs> the the, yeah. the evilness and the, the the you know the demon nature has brought out the body of this person into something completely different than he he's become supernatural, so all bets are off. Yeah, he's super shredder. All right, so yeah, let's get because we want to keep moving on and get to the we have a whole other episode to talk about. Uh, so yeah, any, so any uh,
2: final thoughts or theories uh,
1: relating to this episode? Well, thoughts on it like. Uh, I I'd probably say it's my favorite so far because I like I thought it took everything I liked about like um the sin eater episode, the pilot, and then the week before and just meshed them up together and it was beautiful.
0: Agree. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I think it was I I, I was very happy because I you know, I left the country before I <laughs> before I could see the second half of what happens when a horseman gets locked up and has to be interrogated. So coming back and seeing this episode, I'm like yes, this episode delivered exactly what I wanted and uh, and more. So yeah, I was really satisfied with this episode, Necromancer. I think it's a very yeah, it is my it must be my favorite episode. This like this this episode in the in the Midnight Ride. I think those are like just back to back the like the best the best run of episodes so far in a, in a season that's been very consistently good. So. Yeah, good job, yeah, answer. Maxwell, you, you're with
2: Yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with what you were saying. This and The Midnight Ride make an excellent two-parter. Um, I almost wish The Midnight Ride had actually said the words, to be continued, um, which it didn't. But still, it, it picks up right where it left off. In fact, in terms of pace, pace in a way, where in this episode doesn't really have a beginning, middle, and end, it's almost the third act of the first two acts that were set up with The Midnight Ride. Yeah.
0: How long? How much time do you think passed with in terms of Horseman being captured somewhere? Like at two days,
1: maybe? I, uh, what it captured in the demon holding chamber. Yeah. Created by Thomas Jefferson. I, I think it. It's a matter of hours. Really? Yeah. That much? Yeah. I, I th- maybe a day at, at longest. It's not a
0: complaint anyway. It's just more of like the show just keeps moving. Like it. You know,
1: I mean, they they capture him and immediately go looking for Andy. So, and then it starts. So I would I would say hours. Yeah,
0: probably yeah, probably a 24-hour period at most cuz you know it started at night and then it was, you know, obviously day when the horse came up on the other hunters and everything and then that night yeah. the power went off and everything. Yeah, so it was like pretty much like like a 12-hour period. So
2: let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh how did the Hessians know that cutting the power would be their best tactic?
0: There is a fun question.
2: Yeah, because if I remember correctly, I don't think anyone in, of the Hessians knew about the UV light. Did they just make a wild assumption that was right? Did they, is there someone feeding them information? Maybe Andy say, told them. Maybe Andy told him. I don't know.
0: Is Moloch everywhere? Can he see? That would be see. That would be my guess. I feel like Moloch is an ever-present type thing, especially with Andy being around and like regardless of regardless of whether or not Andy like told Moloch or anything. I think Moloch just has a kind of a tap into. Andy, along with the other things going on in the area, where he can.
1: Well, we've seen the character of Moloch appear in mirrors. As exactly, well, yeah. So I so... feel like,
0: yeah, is he's, he's he's probably able to make certain pieces of information known to anyone that is involved in this whole war that's starting to that's emerging. Interesting. Okay. That'd be my guess. I mean, that's the be- that's the best way to not call it a pothole. but <laughs> <laughs> by by speculating.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't really believe it. If if they figured it out they figured it out somehow. So it's not a big deal. I was just curious.
0: No, it's a good it's a good question though, because I mean, yeah, it I is know. like it is like a hey, we should show up to have the power. Like it's like we I, I
1: didn't even think about it until you to you question it and it's a very valid good question. Alright. I'm not usually one to nitpick, so I'll move
0: on from that. Okay, so let's move on to the next episode. This one is called Sanctuary we already gone over this. It's a rich woman named Lena gets a ride to the, one of the oldest homes in the area, which belongs to her family. She plans to fix it up. Her bodyguard, Sam, thinks it looks haunted. She explores inside and finds a closet full of vines. She starts grabbing at them, but they grab back! She screams. Meanwhile, at the station, Ichabod doubts the Scottish origins of the fast food they're eating. He says <laughs> he's, he then sets Abby straight on things. What, what
2: restaurant do you think they were at?
0: Uh... Uh, d- uh d- um, a white castle. That was mm. my that was my Harold and Kumar joke. That was preaching. <laughs> <laughs> um, that would have been good for last episode. Um, he he then sets Abby straight on Thanksgiving. Uh, the pilgrims didn't have any sugar to make sauce or pie, and they had venison, not turkey. All <laughs> basically Ichabod's just really cranky because all the family time irks Ichabod since he misses his wife, and <laughs> which is basically. A fun way for ichabod to also have this kind of uh, uh kind of disappreciation for the holidays much like a lot of people kind of sometimes do during the holidays and ichabod is, has that in spades given that he's you know 200 years away from his perfect thanksgiving or whatever you want to call it um okay captain irving calls ichabod and abby in about uh, the socialite lena lena gilbert whose lineage goes back to the founding fathers she's missing Irving is giving, the case, giving them the case because Lena left a note with, a, with Katrina C. written on it and, and her last GPS coordinates were, were in sleep yellow. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. Basically, basically, there's ties to Ichabod and Abby, which is why they need to be the ones that investigate. Ichabod wants to know more about the Gilberts from this area and who owned the land. Lena's mother was a Fredericks, dating back to Lachlan Fredericks, a charter member of the Continental Congress and an old friend of Ichabod's. Ichabod knows the mansion. They drive there. It hasn't been lived in for more than a few weeks at a time since the time of Lachlan Fredericks, but it looks much different to about now. Uh, in a flashback, we see the estate was like a it was like a safe haven. It guaranteed protection to former slaves, many of whom stayed to work for Lachlan. Lachlan, Lachlan, I think it's Lachlan. 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 Sorry.
2: Lachlan. You kind of need like a mild like Hanukkah, very mild. Thank you. Okay, and
0: happy Hanukkah to all the listeners out there. Uh, (laughs) it's the seventh night as we're recording this ichabod and abby go inside they see the back of a man in a chair but soon find that he's dead it's it's sam the bodyguard and his face has been badly bloodied and scratched ichabod sees the bloody handprints on the floor they think and so they think that lena might still be alive where's the cut where's the cut to credits in this one is it around here where they see the
2: yeah it's right here right
0: Mm -hmm. here right yeah that's what i thought. Okay. So we got this opening. Did we see like a did we see a tree monster thing yet? Or did we see or we just saw vines nah. attacking? We just saw the vine stuff. Yeah, yeah. We saw it, yeah. the
2: vines attacking and some spookiness in the
0: house. Which is a spooky house. <laughs>
1: oh. Which is that the same house that we saw in um a vision from the that Sandman episode, was it? Oh. Uh, where Abby Abby was going through and she talked to uh
0: Katrina inside a house. That's a good in a question. vision. That's a that's a good question.
2: Interesting. That's I uh,
0: I don't know if I mean it could be. I don't know if it's the same house, but I mean, given that it's, given the nature of what this house represents, that seems like a possibility.
2: Let's go with yes. Everything is it connected,
0: is. so. It is the yeah. same house. Done. All right. Um. Okay. So we get back.
2: I liked uh, Ichabod's little uh, billionaire joke yeah Yeah. (laughs) he was amazed that this woman had a billion dollars that's the gross (laughs) capital of the colonies in my lifetime uh it was that's inflation for you
0: let's see abby tries to radio in about what's going on in this house but she can't get a signal when she goes to the door it slams shut they try the windows but one by one they all slam shut um says not to be an alarmist but we are in a damn haunted house abby says and that Pretty much kicks off the theme of this episode. We're in a haunted house movie. Let's see. Abby freaks out a little bit. Ichabod presumes the house wants something from them. They decide to try and find Lena. Abby sees a woman walk past and then disappear. It's uh, it's a it's a it's a black woman in a kind of a maid's outfit, or you know, a, you know, a helper of the houses type outfit. Um we'll get back to that later. Ichabod sees a familiar book on the floor. It belongs to Katrina. It contains a letter he wrote before he went to confront the horseman, and it was only to be given to her if he died. Ichabod doesn't understand how it could have ended up in this house. Uh, He he remembers it as a force of good. Uh, Flashback to Ichabod and Katrina meeting at Lachlan Frederick's and the mistress of the house, Grace Dixon, who is an African-American. That's a weird... (laughs) That's what it says in the summary. She's black. African Americans, bit of a stretch maybe. Um, <laughs> ich- Ichabod supposes the house was also a refuge from the supernatural. They wonder if one of those evil forces is now occupying the house and taking its anger towards Lachlan out on Lena, her, his descendant. Uh, okay, so still in the house, Ichabod and Abby head down some creepy stairs and find Lena alive and wrapped in vines in the closet. Ichabod starts to cut her free, and the ha- and the vines start to bleed during this, which is a uh, that's some, we- That's some like, creepy imagery. Vines bleeding, and she's, like, cutting them. Like, I'm feeling... It- when I saw that, I felt like, oh, is she, like, killing Lena because of this? Like, is it affecting her in some way? Like, I didn't know what... I, to think.
2: I, yeah, I thought her veins became one with the vine.
0: She was saying, like, don't yeah. and stuff, right? When she's saying, like, stop, like, don't do that. Like, because I thought she was, like, connected or some way to the house. That's what I was kind of getting. That was the vibe I was getting. That's what I thought, too. Uh, while this is happening, while the house is being cut up... Outside, a creature made entirely of roots rises from the ground and walks towards the house, continuing our, you know, awesome creature effects going on in these Monsters of the Week episodes, going back to what Sandman and the, uh, what was the other one? What was the other creepy thing that we saw in one of these episodes? There's a witch? A witch thing, yeah, so...
2: Malik is creepy. Malik
0: is creepy. Yeah, Moloch. and the the, sin, the the some imagery in the Sin Eater was pretty cool too. Yeah, the show is really killing it with the with the visuals. Yeah, the visuals and the makeup stuff. Yeah, they got the they got that studio network money. They can do it. Well, and, <laughs> and I
2: wonder too if by keeping it at 13 episodes, they were able to spend a little bit more yeah, on definitely. each episode. Yeah,
0: definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, That's that's an easy one right there. <laughs> it's like we can really yeah, do the show we want to do. Count. Yeah. Um, So, okay, Ichabod and Abby cut Lena free as she explains to them that the house is alive. Jarring cut back to the station where we're away from tree monsters and haunted houses. Irving is annoyed that he can't reach them. Jenny is there to return the guns that she lifted to help defeat the horsemen on the previous week's episode. Uh, Then Jenny tells Irving that she's planning a small Thanksgiving and invites him. Uh, They have some playful dialogue here, agree? A little banter banter little chemistry, a little, little, little banter going on. And, of course, giant cock block happens when Irving's ex-wife Cynthia <laughs> <laughs> jumps into the scene <laughs> with their young daughter, Marcy, who's in a wheelchair. Uh, yeah, so they arrive, and we find – we. So I, I wrote, Irv's family! Three exclamation points in my notes because they're like, now we're getting backstory on this man, finally, besides just, like, hints. So, yeah. And it was – the dialogue
1: was a bit on the nose with the like, – we were we were naturally building Jenny and Irving's kind of hitting yeah. it off, and then they just slapped it in our face as If like, did you not get it? Did you? Did you see that? Okay, cause, cause his wife like stormed in with like, uh, oh, I'm sorry to interrupt this or something. She,
0: something really obvious.
2: It was a little heavy-handed.
0: Yeah, but the Macy in a wheelchair thing, I didn't see that coming. So that was <laughs> no, 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 no,
2: not at all. And it actually made, made me hate, or not hate, but be pissed off at Irving just a little bit.
0: I mean, yeah, we'll get to more of this as we go along and get to this episode. Later. So
2: there, there's one one thing I want to discuss that I think is interesting is that, and Ichabod brings us up too, with all of this the scary supernatural stuff that he and Abby have faced thus far, I find it very interesting that the notion of the haunted house is the first thing to really rattle and genuinely scare Abby on like a primal level.
0: True. Yeah. That's... Yeah.
2: Why do, is there something inherent about ghosts that's scarier than Satan and demons and Moloch and the Horsemen?
0: What What do you think the deal is? I think it's not necessarily an unpredictability. Well, I mean, it is unpredictable, but not ne- there's there's less of a less of a kind of a tangible thing she can work out in her mind about what's going on. I feel like there's the other things that she's encountered so far. They kind of have an obvious solution to them, <laughs> while a haunted house is like. There's something trapping her inside of a location, and it's an unseen force beyond the you know vine monster that attacks her later on, and maybe that's something that cues certain feelings inside of her regarding how she can handle a situation like this.
1: Yeah, it's easy it's easy to fight the things that she can see and the physical forces that have come after her, but and and maybe it's the, the visions and stuff scare her the most
0: or make her uncomfortable the most, and the haunted house would definitely bring about more of that. Yeah, because it's definitely. It's de- yeah, it's definitely bringing on a different kind of presence than she's been a part... Like, she's seen the Sandman via dream sequence stuff, and she's encountered, what, the the Lost City of Roanoke, the other episodes. But, like, this is this seems like something different for her. This seems like, uh, I mean, there's actual ghosts walking around, and she's really... It's, it's delving he- more, even more heavily into the supernatural than she's been in so far, to an extent, I guess, maybe? From an uncontrollable standpoint. I, I guess there's kind of yeah. an... An A to B point for some of the other monsters she's encountered, and this seems less like that, I guess. I can agree, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on it, Maxwell? Nothing beyond what you already said. Yeah. I agree. That's the best I can do from a speculation standpoint. <laughs> but uh, Let's uh, let's move on. Let's see what's, what we got going on. Back at the house, it's now nightfall. Lena explains she saw Katrina Crane's name in the ledger and thought it could lead her to the answers about the, the house in Laughlin. There are rumors he was involved in witchcraft. Ichabod wander, wonders, wanders... <laughs> Ichabod wonders if Lachlan and Katrina were members of the same coven. Doesn't Ichabod because he's trying to downplay who he is, right? to, to Lena. So he something about like he, he mentions something about like his ancest his like his uh like his ancestors knew her ancestors like without revealing that he's
2: I mean, at this point, if you've been attracted by a giant vine monster, I mean, I think you'd accept a time traveler.
0: Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I was. That's why I, I thought about. Yeah. Like, really? Do we need like? To, oh, okay. Do we need to cover this up? I mean, there's vine monster There's bigger things going on between <laughs> between <laughs> us tonight.
2: <laughs> a time traveler in old timey clothes is the least of your problems. Yes. Who
0: plays? Uh, Lena, by the way. Um,
2: her name is Erin Cahill, and uh, if you uh, were a child growing up uh in the in the previous decade. She was the pink uh, Power Ranger on Power Rangers Time Force. Yep. Perhaps not the most well-known or popular of the Myriad Power Rangers series, but she wore that suit, and that's a good thing, because <laughs> Power Rangers go on to do big things.
1: Yeah, my, my pink Ranger growing up was Amy, Amy Jo Joe Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Oh, of course. Is that she had Felic- course. Felicity, Felicity on Felicity? Was she on that show? She, she uh, Felicity, was on Felicity. She's a singer. I think she was on
0: something else more recently. recently yeah.
2: Joe Johnson is in the J.J. J. Abrams family.
0: Yeah, yep. Oh, so their potential sister crossover. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, the Lachlan-Katrina conversation going on between Abby, Ichabod, and, or no, just Ichabod and Lena. Abby's kind of separated. And she, no, we'll get there. Um. Anyway, their conversation is interrupted by something very large coming at them. They run for cover and find a secret passageway into the walls. This is where Abby gets separated from Ichabod and Lena, and the root monster catches up with them about and Lena run from it into a flock of crows in the stairway. There's a lot of crows. and Basically, there's crows infesting this house because it's part of the curse of the house, I guess. It's a way to say it. Uh, meanwhile, Abby's alone on the walls and tries to keep it together. She kicks her way through a wall and sends someone behind her. She turns around to see the ghost of Grace who tells her it's time and then disappears back at the station. It's so... <laughs> there's these cuts back to, like, Irving's family drama mixed with Haunted House Show. It's, like, weird. Back at the station, Macy wheels through. Like, she owns the place, bumps into Jenny. She thinks jenny's dating her dad but jenny explains that she doesn't even like him all that much but suggests they have a little kind of like father talk and she suggests that macy maybe give irving a chance uh, meanwhile with uh, with irving cynthia isn't happy with uh with him for canceling weekend the weekends he's supposed to spend with macy irving can't really tell her why and how he's you know, helping to stave off the apocalypse. She tells him Macy needs stability, and if he, if Irving cancels one more time, she, uh, she's going to file for full custody of of, uh, of Macy. So, uh, big hurtful news for Irving this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I Which mean, could play,
1: it could play into how he acts within our cases in in the future as well. It's a, it's a, it's a wrench in what we thought was going to be easy going with Irving. Uh, because he he's a full believer now. Now he's, yeah, it, it's going to be a battle between juggling his outside life with these crazy cases.
0: And I mean, we obviously got the idea that Irving wanted Irving wanted to transfer over to Sleepy Hollow, be presumably to what to take to take less work so he could spend more time with his family.
1: Yeah, it's is what it sounds like. Yeah.
0: But I, yeah, he but, did not pick the right town. Apparently, no. But was he so I'm trying to pieces together. So he was was he already he was already separated from. Cynthia then before I, I, you went to I, I Hollow. think
2: what I forced and he was uh, a captain or high up in a very big precinct in New York City and because of his heavy workload he didn't have time to spend with his daughter so he decided to move to a small t- town still you know within you know close enough distance to New York City because Sleepy Hollow is only like 35-40 minutes away uh, you know therein enabling him to spend more time with his daughter of course, that hasn't worked out because he's now one of the uh, men on the front lines of the war for the fate of the world. But, you know.
0: Yeah, it happens. Uh, <laughs> okay.
2: this, this whole this whole thing with Irving is, is, is rushed and it's like, let's build a character's backstory and shove it into a, a five-minute scene. Like, these are characters talking with exposition they're not talking about their feelings
0: it would have been much i I mean i guess if because they kind of peppered and stuff about irving in other episodes but i mean i guess they could have done it more i mean that was our big complaint early on in the series where we just kind of have uh police captain orlando jones but we know nothing about him now we're getting a flood of information at us but it's not handled as gracefully as it could be i guess and
2: i guess i mean clearly the producers of the show were listening to, the Ichapod Crane cast, yeah, yeah, heard us lament yeah. about the lack of a, a backstory for uh, Captain Irving and promptly decided to shoehorn it in in a less than elegant but still emotionally compelling fashion. Giving a, a character a daughter in a wheelchair is always going to tickle the heartstrings.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess, because we talk, you know, we talk, I mean, we talk about how well the show has come together so quickly, but I, you know, I guess... The, they're, I mean, those are among the elements that just haven't worked as smoothly as they could have compared to other things that have worked really well. And, yeah, Orlando Jones' backstory, as good as, as good as Orlando Jones has been on this show for the most part, especially these last couple episodes, I mean, obviously we don't know much about him. And so, yeah, the, the character development there has been a little weak. And just, you know, the character of Morales is pretty much the weakest part of the show. Uh, okay. So... so uh, but yeah.
2: he wasn't either of these two episodes we're talking about, so that's good.
1: Nope, it helps, Yeah, uh, no, I, I have a feeling maybe uh, we won't see uh, his ex-wife and daughter again this season, and so they just and they knew that going into this episode with the, you know, they have. A, when you do a season like this, they, ha- they, they have pretty much an outline for where they're going from point A to point B, and they're probably not in the plans for the remaining couple episodes, so
0: we won't feel, see have, them until next season. I have a feeling so. we'll see the daughter again. I, really, I, feel I think like, so. I think, I, I think the daughter. Okay. The daughter well, will,
2: maybe, maybe the daughter. I just think her life or something.
0: It felt like more like planting seed for something later. Oh, for sure, yeah. We'll definitely see more of them in the future, but I, I, I do think the daughter will turn up at least once more in this season before things are out. All right, uh, let's Continuing see. Continuing on. Yeah, moving on. Um, uh, back in the house, uh, Grace once again warns, it's coming, hurry. Abby sees a scene from the past. It's Katrina in bed, in labor. Grace helps Katrina deliver her baby boy. So that happens. Katrina had a baby. <laughs> and, and Abby saw that happen uh, via ghost vision. Uh, Abby's stunned by this, obviously. She goes searching for Ichabod and finds him, and he tells her, Ichabod tells her that the creature dragged Lena away. So anyway, Abby tells Ichabod what she just saw. She saw Katrina came back here because she was going to have a baby, she says. The protective hex on the property would have kept them safe. But Abby says there's more during the birth. Crows started attacking, and the root creature rose up. Uh, Lachlan knew it was sent by Moloch, Moloch, and he went to confront it. But the creature attacked and killed him. Uh, So that happened.
2: (laughs) Crows are so evocative. Such a great way to set a scene
0: i agree yeah yeah, yeah totally. what, are,
2: what are some of your favorite usages of crows in order to set a mood in in tv or movies
0: i think of one that really helps like out the scene
2: the thing that always comes to my mind is um the harry potter film alfonso Cuarón directed
0: yes oh, so the prisoner of azkaban
2: yeah prisoner of azkaban he used crows in the in the the third act of that film in a very uh
0: clever way i thought the um I mean, the birds is kind of an obvious example in general, but that's, oh, not, yeah. that's, not, that's not completely crows. There's also the crow, of course. But, I mean, um, I'm trying to think of one. There's got to be a lot of horror movies I'm not thinking of right at this moment that, like, just use crows to be very evocative. But, yeah. Anyway.
2: Right. So, at, at this point, um, Abby tells Ichabod what she saw.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. She came. Yeah. They. Uh, Abby, uh, she didn't see what happened to uh, – she didn't see, you know, after the fact. They hear Lena scream. Uh, they find the the cre- they find the creature grabbing onto her, choking her in the dark, they can't see the creature to fight back, but Ichabod tells Abby to shoot the roots, which wound the creature, which re- and that releases Lena. Uh, Abby then sees Grace again guiding them to an exit. They make their way outside to the car uh, where, e- where Ichabod grabs an axe. He then heads back in to take on the thing that came after his son. He warns Abby not to follow him. This is pretty badass, <laughs> this Yeah, were, this is. Like, yeah. Tom Myson really sells this, too. Like, he's in a mode here, and it's awesome.
2: I can't sing his praises enough. Yeah. It's like he gets better and better each episode as they build his character more. He's just, he's awesome.
0: Yeah. Okay, so inside, Ichabod looks around for the creature. He uses road flares to light the room, which gives it a really cool kind of red look. He finds the creature. And he swings at it, telling him he knows who it serves. He's screaming, you think you can attack those I love without, conf- without consequence? Uh, Ichabod just continues to attack wildly. He hacks at the creature, and he finally chops it to death. He, he hits the vines, so and that kind of weakens the creature. And then he starts chopping the thing. He says, give Moloch my regards, as he <laughs> pretty much ends it. Then he walks back outside, covered in blood, ready to go home. Super cool. <laughs> it's yeah. just a super badass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, give my give Malik my regards. I'm like fist pump. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Abby comes to the archives to get Ichabod for Thanksgiving. Uh, she brought rum. Uh, he's struggling with the knowledge that he had a son. Uh, there's a package from Lena. Ichabod wonders if it's more treasures from the Amazon. Um, <laughs> that contain that contains all her family's old papers, including Grace Dixon. It includes Grace's family tree down to Lori Roberts, which is Abby's mother. Her and so. Um, her aunt, her aunt Abby's ancestor brought Ichabod's son into this world. They realize that they're even more closely tied together than they ever could have thought, um, and they toast to finding family. So yeah, we get that big reveal. I mean, I I did we I saw this coming, right? You saw this coming, like she was going to be related in some way to to, to Grace. Uh,
1: really? No, that didn't, I, in, in, I mean once
0: it. I'm not trying to be. Once they it revealed it, just, it like,
1: once it, it once they revealed it, I was like, oh, okay, oh yeah, but I mean, I wasn't. You know, I, I don't know. It wasn't in my head.
0: All right,
1: I, I, like I'm not, I'm not trying to be. I, I was more intrigued with. No, I was more intrigued with uh, Ichabod having a son
0: and and that whole thing rather than who this. I, yeah, um, I, I could see that. It's just like the second I saw like Abby sees a ghost of 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 this person, it's like, all right, so there's gonna be some tie here, and obviously obviously she's not gonna be like related to Ichabod, but I mean something was gonna happen, and I figured it would, it had to like get her, because I mean we have we already know that Abby and Jenny are somehow tied into this universe more than one would expect and so that's a neat way to tie it together even more so I guess and it's just something that occurred to me within the realm of this episode Gotcha
2: What I like about all this and this is something I was talking about a little earlier when we were discussing Necromancer is that um, in some ways this episode could have gone down a direction wherein it is Sort of a filler case of the week episode. You have the socialite missing, this haunted house, but the way it all ties together into Ichabod and Abbey. and while you know the the kind of bomb about the sun is you know huge, um, it makes it suddenly not feel like a filler episode.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's once again developing yeah. some huge things in the in terms of the the backstory and world building and potential plot threads for the rest of the series so i mean yeah it's gonna i'm very curious to see where that goes and what's what's going to come of this revelation along with you know the fact that abby and ichabod are closely and, and jenny for that matter are very closely tied together which makes sense and also bodes well for the kind of the the big web that the show's creating for itself so.
2: so do you guys have any theories about ichabod's son
1: I, I wonder if they're gonna pull the, the uh the Connor type thing like Angel yeah. had. That <laughs> was the first thing that came to mind that he's going to be like a nemesis and a and a shocking twist when revealed who he is. Like he he's going to be he's not going to be a child when we run into him. He's gonna be obviously yeah similar age to Ichabod and Now
0: Now 'cause I I don't think the show could be that dark, but it could make him a horseman. Like they could make Ichabod's son a horseman. Ooh, I think, ooh, yeah. I, I think that'd be a little too... Well, it depends on how they accomplish this, but I think that could be a little too dark for the show, but at the same time, it'd be an intriguing way to take it, like a real a real good way to, to F with uh Ichabod if they, if they somehow got his son and turned him into one of the horsemen's.
2: I mean, it w- I don't know how dark it would be. I mean, yes, it's his son, but it's not as if he has a relationship with him.
0: True, yes.
2: Which makes it tragic, but... It's not a betrayal in a traditional sense, or wouldn't be a betrayal. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's a. I I mean, expect
2: his son to come into play.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. You don't set that up without you know knocking it down again.
2: Maybe Clancy Brown is his son.
0: Yeah, oh, (laughs) heyo. Oh, how great would that be if he comes back to life? All right, so um, yeah, sanctuary. What we what we think of this episode?
1: It was pretty. I mean, it was it was a little bit of a, it was a step down from the previous two, which it was going to happen at some time. Um, did you guys notice uh the Lena's bodyguard that got his uh, eyes pecked out and stuff by the crows was also seen as one of the uh voluntary free slaves at the. Place back in the uh, when ichabod and abby or ichabod and katrina visited did not notice that the the same actor was present there and i thought there was going to be more with that but they didn't divulge on it and then he died so but yeah he was he was uh, he was seen but he didn't have any lines there but they made it a, a deal to like focus on him for a second to let you know it's the same actor. Oh, so maybe maybe was, we'll get
0: more of that in the. Do you think Lena will come back? I, yes. I don't know. Yeah, yes? Okay.
2: I, I mean, not necessarily soon, but um, she's definitely the type of character that could come back at some point in the future. She owns the house. She's going to do a search. She is a financial resource, potentially. Oh, See? And she
1: used to date George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. So, but no, I, I you know, yeah. Go back check. I, I'm pretty sure it was the same actor, and I, I
0: I'm just surprised that nothing came of that. That's that's why I wonder if maybe Lena comes back and there's some kind of reveal or something involving that relationship or that character, the connections that could potentially be there. I don't know. We'll see. I guess. Um. All right. Let's see. We already kind of did crazy theory stuff with uh other things already, so I guess we can kind of move over that. Uh, let's get to uh, what's going to happen on uh, next week's show. Next week's show is, called, is titled The Golem, and uh, Brandon, you have a description for that one?
1: Yes. In next week's episode, which is episode 10, Ichabod enlists Henry Parrish, played by John Noble, <laughs> to help him communicate with Katrina, but in the process, a menacing danger is unleashed from purgatory. Ooh. All right. Mm-hmm. The return of the sin eater.
0: I put a so at the end of the Sin Eater episode, by the way. So wh- whoever listens to, it complete, to completely to the end of the episodes of our show, I put Maxwell's drop. Of, it's John Noble! I like, put that in like three times, I think, or something like that. Because <laughs> 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 it made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> it's like it's John Noble! It's John Noble! And, like, it just, it's John Noble! Um, but yeah, so that's gonna bring us to the end of our tale this week of the in the Hollow. Uh, feel free to email us um, at uh, <clears throat> sorry at, at gmail.com or uh, you know uh, uh, follow us on Twitter at Ichabod Crane or on Facebook uh, facebookcom Um Any of those locations, you can email us your thoughts on the show um, or you know Twitter, Facebook, either whatever. We'll you know be happy to kind of fo- play along, answer them, read them on the show. If you have any questions or anything like that, um, we also I also mentioned the uh, the uh, voicemail line, 972-798-3830. So that's, you know, that's another fun way to interact with our show. And uh, what else? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Aaron's PS4. Brandon?
1: I am at
0: BT Peters. And you
1: can hopefully even read my blog because I recapped two of these episodes. Uh, Naptown Nerd, which is naptownnerd.blogspot.com, where I do movie retrospectives and stuff. Um This month we're going down Holiday Road, and also you can check out my reviews on wiselblue.com.
0: Maxwell, where can people find you?
2: Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Cinemaxwell. You can uh, check out my blog at cinemaxwell.com, and I've also started a gig contributing to theyoungfolks.com, where I'll be doing all sorts of fun movie and other pop
0: culture-related stuff. Hey, congrats on that, by the way. That was that's really yeah. cool to see. And, oh, yeah, I didn't really go over mine. Yeah. Besides Aaron, at Aaron's PS4, also thecodezique.com. That's where I write, post all my written movie reviews as well as blogs about Africa. I was blogging about Africa while I was away, and I got a lot on there. And I also contribute to whysoblue.com. Um, let's see what else uh be sure to check out all the other shows at hhwld.com. this show's there along with the other shows like ones i host out now there in and abe along with the walking dead tv podcast long box of doom other fun shows about comics and games and a lot of cool guys over though those sites and shows and of course subscribe to our show on itunes leave us a review and rating if you're somehow listening to this not on itunes you know subscribe to itunes and help <laughs> out the show um and yeah i think that's going to do it for this week we talked a lot because we had two episodes to go over but i had a good time you guys have a good time it's good to be back for sure i had a middling
2: time but <laughs> that's better than most of my times are so yeah good i guess relatively speaking
0: awesome all right okay so until next week with the golem that's like that's next week's episode until next time heads will roll good night
2: heads his tails just call me lucifer because i'm in need of some restraint so if you meet me have some courtesy have some sympathy and some taste use all your well-learned politics or i'll lay your soul to waste mm, yeah ho